Wesley on this Feelman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. But I, I don't have any problem with these guys getting bonuses. I, I, I do think, though, that the more that these bonuses are out there and exposed, um, these guys did not earn these bonuses on their own. They got a lot of help. From the players? And where does that help yeah. come from? See, this is a hard case to make that you can't afford to pay the players. Exactly. Give, I mean, when you give the assistant coaches $3 million yeah. in bonuses, that's think? my issue. That's my issue. You think that's it. a hard case to yeah, make? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's a hard case to make. But yeah. Thankfully, there are a few Buckeyes that are on the cusp of getting paid. They're at the Senior Bowl. We'll get into all that. We'll get paid there. Really? Get paid I think they the get paid. Bowl? I think oh, they nice. get paid some money and... By the way, I want to make it perfectly clear: you and I are not opposed to assistant coaches. No way. Getting bonuses. I mean, they do a lot of work, and they've earned that, and the team earned it. It's a group effort. Yeah, I remember and the good old days of ratings bonuses. Yes, those are always nice. <laughs> bonuses are a good thing. So that, uh, and we'll see with Kerry uh, Combs coming in, and maybe he can collect the bonus. I, I did want to hit on Kerry coming in just a little yeah, bit because. Sure. I'm sure people are saying, okay, well, he's a slash defensive coordinator. What's Kerry going to do, right? What kind of and, – And, by the way, he is the defensive coordinator. Well, I think I he's expected, working with Greg Madison. Well, I mean, I don't know. He's he's he has the, he's not co-defensive Well, that's maybe how they had to probably get him here to yeah. get, lure him here. And him, I'm sure give him the money title. and all that good stuff. But yeah. I don't think he's going to change anything that Jeff Halfley did. I think he'll assimilate into what Ohio State does best. I think he will do some things maybe that he liked when he was here before, whether that was under Chris Ash or Luke Fickle or whatever the case may be, uh, mm-hmm. certain types of defenses or lines or stunts or blitzes or anything that he can incorporate, and plus what he learned at Tennessee and sure. some of the things that they did. So uh, I don't expect the uh, drop-off at all from Ohio State's defense. I thought their defense last year, if you look at it, the improvement, uh, not only in the players' play, but also the numbers were just off the charts improvement-wise and how well that defense played. And it's just a shame that they didn't get a chance to go up against Joe Burrow and LSU because that would have been a great matchup. And, and that our defense against their offense would have been fun to watch. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, so moving on. Yeah, uh, Kerry Combs is the defensive coordinator. Corey Dennis is the uh, new quarterback coach. That's not news. Uh, it was confirmed last week. Uh, so Ryan Day loses Mike Yursich and Jeff Halfley, and he's talked about it's not ideal to have a guy for one year because you want continuity on your staff and all that. Uh, I wrote a story for SI.com, uh, the Ohio State site, about these hires make perfect sense, but they sure. are not without risk because both guys, neither one of them has done the job they're hired to do, which at Ohio State is typically not the way it works out. Corey Dennis, you don't typically get a guy who's never been a full-time assistant uh, given a position on the staff like as important as coaching quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But as I said, it makes perfect sense because Corey Dennis has been here for five years. And the other thing, a coach has to get a first job sometime. (laughs) And Ryan Day is the quarterback coach. So I want to play you a cut from Ryan Day on why Corey Dennis and uh, I think after you hear Coach Day, uh, you know, which I was curious, I said, you know, look, I prefaced my question to him by saying, look, no matter what Corey Dennis's credentials are, people are going to say, well, you hired him because he's Urban's son-in-law. Mm-hmm. And he's married to Nikki Meyer. Uh, so here's Ryan Day making, uh, I think, a eloquent case for Corey Dennis. 
you know, I, I feel great with not only the fact that he can teach the way we teach it, uh, but also uh, we'll at least some continuity in that room. And, and, you know, Corey's a young coach who's got a really bright future. And I think everything that you put into Corey, you're going to get back and invest because he's so bright. Uh, but, you know, you know, when I got in here and then, you know, Mike came in, and this, so now this is the third guy in really three years. And I really want to solidify that room and uh, have some stability in there. So I think that was critical too, because I know Corey, you know, is, is invested in, in Ohio State and his family. So uh, when you combine all of those things together, I thought it was a great hire. I agree with him on, and also in, in this regard, the continuity in the room. But the one thing that he said is that Corey's going to coach what Ryan Boom. Yep. wants coached. Yeah, and he had gone and, into a long thing before that about we have, you know, I don't want uh, somebody saying, hey, we did it this way here, we did it this right. way here. He's like, I don't have time for that, is what he said. Right, and neither do, do the players, right? Yeah. And the. I think the other thing is that Corey's not going anywhere soon. He's so young, right? It's not like he's going to leave for an offensive coordinator's job. This is his full-time assistant's job. The, I Some people might think of it as uh, a form of nepotism uh, with it being Urban's uh, son-in-law. But, you know, what you also get with people that are, are in that business or grow up in that business is knowledge, a work ethic and a pressure on themselves to perform at the highest level. So you get that quality uh, you're with saying it. To 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 not be labeled that you're here just because you're urban. Yes, okay. you, I mean there's the advantages to hiring those types of guys. Yeah. And and Ryan talked about the work ethic that Coy brings. And plus, they've had experience of great experience with Brian Hartline, who never yeah. had a full time assistant uh, coaching job. Right when when Zach ran into some of his troubles. Brian came in and stepped in, and that, that room did not miss a beat. And I thought, you know, I, I may be having an unpopular opinion. I, don't, I thought Zach Smith was a pretty darn good coach on the field with the Buckeyes and the receivers, and I think Brian was able to come in and, and get those guys to give them a fresh look and also not only build on what Zach built, but hopefully tried to raise their game to another level. So I think it's smart to hire people that you know. You hire people – that are within your system, the higher people that have the same core belief system that you do. And I think it's nice. And that's why I think Ryan Day was really uh, comforted and mentally even or settled mm -hmm. when you know that you're bringing Kerry back and he's worked with Kerry before. So he yeah. knows what he's getting. He knows what he's getting X's nose wise. But more importantly, as we talk about many times on this show, the lifeline or the lifeblood of college football is recruiting, and you're knowing what you're getting with Kerry as far as being an excellent recruiter. Yeah, and he's out on the road today, and he was tweeting uh, last night about how happy he is to be back, and he's uh, doing his uh, signature 10-word uh, hashtags. <laughs> he's known for, like, his long hashtags. Oh, he is? I don't oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. And uh, he talked about planting flags today. He's done a great job recruiting. He's done a great job developing. He's got a long list of first-round NFL defensive backs, which you can't have a more um, – stellar yeah. credential than that as a recruiter with high school kids who you know as much as they will say they love the school and all that they their goal is to get to the nfl nothing wrong with that no, well now he has that card that he can throw down she right did. so he can tell a kid look i know what it takes to be an nfl defensive back and i think one thing with carrie that is not going to be matched by a lot of coaches around the country is enthusiasm and love for coaching and I mean love for the game and this is a guy that had a great record at Cincinnati Colerain right yes, and, and has relationships years. in the state of Ohio 
I think it was the absolute best hire that Ryan can do if you're not going to keep a young guy like Jeff Halfley. And quite frankly, you saw it very early on that Jeff Halfley wasn't going to be here for a long time. I, mean, I asked uh, somebody at OSU. You were on that early. On the staff, I asked, you know, what's this Halfley guy like? What's his background? And they said, first thing they said before they answered my question was, I, mean, I just hope we can keep him for two years. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. They so were he right. had made an impression on him, you know, right away. And and he did. Yeah. He made an impression on me the first time I heard him talk. Because you can just tell the guys who have charisma and the guys who connect. And, and Kerry Combs is that kind of a guy in yeah. a different way. Halfley is, um, you know, more measured. But, but you know, um, uh, anybody's more measured compared to Kerry Combs. He's, yeah. a, he's a bundle of energy, I mean, man. you need that, though, right? Uh, sure. you, I mean, I don't think Ryan, you know, Ryan's a pretty composed guy. I mean, there's moments of energy and intensity, but he's not turned up all the way from the time he gets out of the bed till the time he goes to bed. I mean, I think you can make an argument that Kerry's <laughs> down and locked in from <laughs> <laughs> from day from the, every hour, man. He's caffeinated. That's for I sure. I mean, but that's what you I like. I would want one of those guys, at least one, on my staff if I were head coach, because I'm not like that. I mean, I'm pretty. People think, oh, I'm this super intense dude. You, I mean, you've known me long enough yeah. where you know it's the total opposite of who I am and what I am. And and by the way, I didn't share this with you. Okay. And we can segue into this a little bit. Um. You know who I spent about a half hour with at the Walter Camp? I don't think I told you this. was Luke Keekley. You, uh, you mentioned it briefly the other yeah. day, but we didn't get any details. No, but I, I know that Luke, uh, has, we were talking about Jeff Halfley, and Luke has, did not get a chance to meet him yet, but was going to have a chance to meet uh, Jeff Halfley. And Luke, Luke of went course, to Boston College. was a great player at Boston College, Cincinnati native, played at Cincinnati X down there at Xavier. And I, I want to get into this a little bit because – you know, I keep watching this from afar, and it's 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 sad what's happening uh, to Antonio Brown, right? What's going on? I mean, there's nothing to celebrate there. There's nothing funny about it. There's, you know, I don't know what's going on. Some people speculate that it's, uh, I was reading about it, that there's some type of drug use. Some people speculate it's a CTE or head injuries. Well, Luke retired after he's 28 years old and retiring as a linebacker, 28, he was just hitting his peak, right? Mm -hmm. And Luke uh, certainly has a history, a long history of concussions. So I asked Luke, you know, uh, Luke, why retire at 28? And there's only one reason, and that's, you know, he was concerned, I think, about the head injuries. And he, he told me, and and we were talking about this, you know, it's amazing, and it, I'm glad this happens where guys get to make so much money nowadays, right? That they and good for us and good for those players cuz I remember guys when when uh, I was playing and I was making good decent money for the time were saying, "Man, you guys are lucky. You get to make this kind of money." Well, these guys are lucky where they get to make, you know, quadruple four times what I made and they then can have choices to walk away at 28 years old, where a lot of guys that I played with couldn't walk away at 28 years old. But I was happy for him, and, you know, he made a, a clear, conscious decision. Uh, just like Chris Borland. You remember Chris Borland with the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. Was concerned about head injuries and long-term damage. And Chris was able to uh, make a choice to retire. Now, he didn't make a lot of money, but I think Chris is doing a lot of other good things, including that great 
fundraiser that he put together down in Dayton back in the fall. Uh, the Antonio Brown reference, if you've not seen it, there's a very disturbing video on TMZ of Antonio Brown uh, standing on outside, I presume, his home um, with uh, the mother of two of his children across the street. She's apparently come to take the kids to school, uh, wants to use his Bentley. Uh, he won't allow her to use the Bentley. Yeah. The cops show up. And the, just the, the disturbing part of it is how... Uh, the degree to which he refers to this woman, the mother of his of two of his children, the lack of respect. Look, I'm a, I'm a big boy. I can handle profanity when it's directed at someone, and the and the the comments he makes about her humanity and things like that are just extremely. They're no extremely, lack of respect for the police officers there. Too. No, no lack of respect for the police officers either, and is just it's just very objectionable. Well, I'm not only referring to that incident, Bruce. The numerous other incidents yeah. and. Yeah. Also, one that happened yesterday, uh, maybe you're not familiar with the one yesterday, that he and his trainer are, are wanted on, on battery charges. The trainer was charged and arrested yesterday. and I assume I, that was from this one that I saw. I assume there had been an altercation before the video began from TMZ. I, I didn't know that there was another one. Maybe I, I think there's another one with oh a guy in a moving van. So, that, oh boy. so I mean... You know, people think, oh, he's crazy and he's it's funny and, you know, they're almost celebrating the demise of Antonio Brown, right? I mean, we do that as a society sometimes where we see the mighty fall and we celebrate that. Why do we celebrate that? Because I think we have a human instinct that tells us, well, at least we're not them. And at least yeah. we're not that bad off. And so let's celebrate when somebody has success, like the great success that Antonio Brown had, and let's celebrate and watch him fall. Well, for me, uh, you know, the only thing I feel for him is sadness. And regardless of all the, the things that he, offensive things he might say, I would want that guy to get help. I don't know if he... Um, but in order for somebody to get help, I think there's got to be somebody that... He trusts that loves him enough to take him in and say enough's enough, dude. We we've got to get you some help, or it's going to end up in a uh, difficult, awful situation that you're creating for yourself. Now I don't know if it's uh, again. I know Antonio had a horrific upbringing, very challenging upbringing, and that forms a person. Mm. But I thought he had some things going the right way. Then I don't know what happened, but it happened fast. So that makes me, and I'm not an expert by no means, but if something, if there's a downfall that happens that fast, then it's usually one or two things. There's some type of mental issues going on, or there's some type of drug use going on. Well, I don't. I mean, that's be, pure speculation. I, yeah, I, I mean, there's. I think there's another alternative. I think you can just be a knucklehead. I mean, I think you can be like extremely selfish, and the money can turn your head. And I think you can get caught up in the de deceitfulness that money buys happiness, which there are many celebrity train wrecks and, and you know, people you don't know their name, you know, who are successful yeah. business people and all that who go off the deep end. Uh, it, the Antonio Brown video is one of three uh, really disturbing videos here in the last day or so. Another one involves Delonte West, a former Cavalier, who struggled with the bipolar disorder while he was a Cav, and there's video of, of uh, Delonte West being a, a assaulted, beaten by somebody in the, in the middle of the road, and he's yeah. pulled off to the side of the road, and he's ranting, and raving and uh, it looks he looks drug addled or at least uh, malnourished or it just is not good and 
the Maryland police officer who took that video, put it on social media, the Maryland police officer has been uh, suspended from duty. Uh, people talking about the NBA needs to intervene. You can't help somebody if they don't want to be helped. Um, so that's disturbing. And then last night we had a brawl in the Kansas-Kansas yeah. State basketball game where Kansas has the game well in hand. I don't know, a 10, 15-point win. They're bringing the ball down at the end. They're standing there holding the ball, um, dribbling the ball. A Kansas State player comes up and steals the ball, goes in for a layup. Kansas <laughs> guy runs to the other end, blocks the shot, stands over him, flexes, and a brawl breaks out. And it is as bad a college basketball brawl, second only to Minnesota-Ohio State in 1971, which was precipitated 100% by the Gophers uh, and their lunatic fans. Uh but that's disturbing video. Um, and I disagree. I heard Mike Golick this morning say, you know, that the, the fault lies with the Kansas State kid who stole the ball. No. I mean, I thought you played hard till the whistle. If you're the Kansas kid and you don't want him to steal the ball, then, then dribble it in such a fashion or pass it so he doesn't steal it. You want to go down and block the kid's shot? Okay. I don't yeah. see what the harm was in letting him have the layup. But in my view, play hard to the whistle. Okay, block the shot. Stand over him and flex. That's where things got out of control. Yeah. Block the shot, walk away. Well, that's when emotion takes over, right? And emotion uh, takes the place of common sense. Everything was fine. If you don't want him to steal the ball, protect the ball. And if you're going to go in for a layup, if you're going to play till the end of the game, then expect the Kansas player to play to the end right. of the game. But, yeah, the, the, the flexing of the muscles – after you do a job and make a good play, you know, there's no place in in it. And when you live in a one, two, three, look at me society, and all that type of behavior behavior is celebrated via Instagram, via highlight shows, via radio shows, podcast, Twitter. When that stuff is celebrated and people are made into heroes, or man, you're such a cool dude for being able to do that. Uh, that only, I think, um, inspires behavior like that in the future. It, I think if I'm the NCAA or from Kansas, uh, what I have to do if I'm Kansas State, I drop such a huge hammer on the people involved um, to make sure something like that never happens again. It re reflects for, poorly on the universities. It reflects poorly on the athletes. And it's a big Big reflection on the coaching staffs, yeah. in my opinion. You have to control your team, and there's that's uncalled for. And it's totally uncalled. It's just a, it's awful, and it makes what a beautiful game of college basketball is into some type of of, of uh, brawl or survival of the fittest. It's a joke, man, and, and should never should never be a place for that ever. It's the latest unflattering headline with Kansas basketball. One of the players who looked the worst on this. Uh, Brawl footage is Silvio D'Souza, who was in the center of the, uh, you know, pay for play thing. Uh, Bill Self has been in the center of that. He's been on tape um, negotiating a price or at least, you know, wink, winking at the money paid to a kid. They had Snoop Dogg at their Midnight Madness with a stripper pole. Um, you know, Bill Self's one of those coaches who wins so much that, uh, you know, too big to fail kind of a thing. But, um, we don't know where this one goes, except there's going to be long suspensions for a lot of players coming out of this one. What about suspending the coaches? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Well, all, some people have said on this Houston Astro thing, you know, the stealing signs and all that, and Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, got suspended. Carlos Beltran, the Mets manager, got fired, got didn't he? Fired. Cor Cor didn't, didn't Cora get Cora fired? Cora got fired or, you know, yeah, caught fired. I'm sorry. Uh, 
A.J. Hinch and the uh, Astros GM fired, uh, but no penalties for the players, and the Astros are keeping their title and the Red Sox are keeping their title. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't dug in deeply enough into it. The players certainly knew what was going on, and they knew it was wrong. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to penalties for the players, suspensions for the players who engaged in it. Was that just as uh, same as PEDs in your mind? Well, sign stealing is there's a portion where it's okay. It's like cheating in NASCAR, you know, like shaving something off your spoiler in NASCAR. But there does become a point where I think when you computerize it, you use video and, and a wire and a wire, and all, it's like where do you draw the line? I don't know, but the line you went over it. Okay, I don't know where the line was drawn, but I know you're over <laughs> it. It's a little bit like when people say, "How do you define pornography?" I don't know, but you know it when you see it. That was Potter Stewart, the former uh, Supreme Court justice, who said that, and you know it when you see it. This isn't right. Well, I don't know, but you know, integrity is important to you and I. We'd like to see integrity in sports. We'd like to see character development. We'd like to see character displayed in sports because the best part of sports is, uh, I think, displayed when character is demonstrated. Uh, but we haven't seen that with uh, some of the stuff that's in the news here recently. Uh, one of the great stories in sports, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, and you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com, is the story of Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> the Bengals, apparently, according to Ian Rappaport Spiels, who had Duke Tobin, Bengals personnel guy, on his podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Ian Rappaport then goes on NFL Network and says, well, certainly they have not decided definitively that it is going to be Joe Burrow with the number one pick. But you talk to some of these Bengal coaches, and there is effusive praise uh, as as from Duke Tobin. They love this guy as a prospect, and obviously it would be a major surprise if Cincinnati Bengals do not take the LSU star quarterback. Um, so there you go. Well, I, I think from— What's the uh, harm now in saying, yeah, we're going to take him? Of course we're going to take because, him. Because, I mean, somebody could come with an insane yeah. offer, and then if you have a grade on Tua— just as high as on okay. Joe, yeah. And you have an insane offer. I mean, it ha- to me, it would it'd have to be an insane offer. And the word also is that Miami really loves Joe Burrow, right? I mean, what Joe was able to do this year, and it's not just the numbers that he put up. It's mm-hmm. it's the ability to run the football, to pick up first downs with his feet. I think the pocket presence was a big thing that stood out to a lot of guys that I've talked to about Joe Burrow, uh, including Todd McShay. Uh, respect I, knows what he's doing, in my opinion. I have a lot of respect for Todd. I disagree with him on a couple things, but with Joe Burrow, we certainly agree. And I th- also, I think the fact that first of all, he wins. Right? We t- talked about Urban's six intangible, six qualities for a quarterback mm-hmm. that he looks. The first one out of his mouth is he wins, mm-hmm. and the accuracy. But I think Tua has all those qualities also if he's healthy. Now, at the beginning of the year. And even maybe three or four weeks into the season, we had this little debate, you and I, on the podcast, and I was a Tua guy all the way, right? Remember, I was a sure. Tua guy all oh, the you way. Oh, love Tua, yeah. And then I just kept watching Joe, Joe, Joe. Then now it's a clear cut who's the better player right now is that's Joe Burrow. I don't know who's the better pro, but the and, but right now you have to say Joe Burrow. Well, but, so, much, so many fewer questions with Joe on the injury yeah. front. But I'm thinking, okay – if I'm Cincinnati, I'm saying, yeah, we love him. We love him. And you kind of keep that just like Duke did. I think it was smart. You keep that little speculation out there so you leave room 
just in case somebody wants to say, and they're so in love with Joe Burrow. All right, here's a first-rounder. Here's a first-rounder next year. And Miami has a bunch of picks, of course, to to deal with, uh, to use. They have three in the first round or yeah, four? Some, some crazy some numbers. Crazy and number. so, you know, I love him, but, you know, I also love – I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, and we need help everywhere. And if I can get uh, what I need in a quarterback from Tua, then maybe I look at maybe dealing this. And But the price tag has to be really, really high. And I, I got to tell you, Bruce, I mean, the love that I'm hearing from Joe Burrow right now, and I was really um, – I was pleasantly pleased. I know a lot of people in the NFL world – don't like this. I was pleased because I thought it was very smart of Joe Burrow to pull out of the uh, Senior Bowl. He's done what he needs to do. Oh yeah. And the other thing that he did that's impressive to scouts is you know what LSU's record was this year? Fifteen and zero. They won. It's an NFL season, basically. Yeah. Right. It's an NFL season, so he was able to stay healthy. He didn't regress. I thought he he progressed as the season went on. Yeah. So everything is pointing to Joe Burrow, but. If I'm Miami, I'm looking at look, I, you know, we need a quarterback. I mean, and it's a perfect situation for Joe because Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can maybe get by with him another year, and you bring Joe along, maybe week twelve, week thirteen next year. Ryan Fitzpatrick's used to grooming with young guys and playing with young guys, and he's a great teammate. Mm-hmm. He would be a great mentor for for Joe Burrow. So now. He walks into Cincinnati. It's much like what Kyler Murray did or Baker did when they went to Cleveland from day one. You got it. Well, when I look at Joe, and you articulated perfectly uh, great all his tangible qualities, I think also a part of the Joe Burrow allure is that with a lot of college players, you have questions about the intangibles. How much do they love the game? That's the first thing. Do they love the money? Do they love the game, what the game does for them, or do they love the game? I don't think you can question a coach's kid who, you know, persevered through a transfer that he loves the game. Is he a confident player? Can he handle adversity? He's already proven he can handle adversity. Yeah. He had a broken hand in college. He lost his job because of injury. Dwayne Haskins came in and played, you know, so well they couldn't afford to take him out. He transferred. Did he take the easy path? He could have gone to Cincinnati. He could have gone to Nebraska. No, he goes to LSU. That's where I said it was a bad decision. I said, you're going to go down there. You're going to be an Ohio kid. If you don't wow him right away, they're going to move on to the next guy and you're done. No, no. He took the tough path. Did he transform a culture? I mean, LSU is not a crappy Bengal type culture. But they've never been what they were with him on the offensive side. Right. Can You're he right. learn a pro system? He learned a pro system. It's Joe Brady's system from the New Orleans Saints. So when you look at a lot of the things you wonder about and really can't know until you get a guy in your organization, Joe Burrow, box check, box check, Every box single check, box one check. of them. Every single one. Now, I get that the Dolphins love him, and I get the Panthers would love him because the Panthers have, uh, you know, Joe Brady now. Right. And they got a new coach in Matt Rule, and hey, we'd like to, you know, what, imagine the tickets we'll sell if we get Joe Burrow. I get first round picks here, there, and everywhere. I understand the history of the Herschel Walker trade. No, Herschel Walker wasn't a quarterback. Herschel Walker wasn't a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you are treading water on the rebuild. Sure. You just are. And. Look, I, six weeks ago, would I have sat here and said Joe Burrow's a generational prospect? No. no. I would have said, and I did say, why would you replace Andy Dalton with Andy Dalton? Well, 
the evaluation is ongoing. And when you go down and you beat Georgia and you beat, you know, the teams he beat in the playoffs and you – Oklahoma. Oklahoma, which, you know, okay. But, I mean, you throw 12 touchdown passes in two college football playoffs. He had the greatest single-season performance of any college quarterback in the history of college football. You make the plays at the end of the Texas game that he made, at the end of the Alabama game that he made. I mean, tell me where this kid has failed. Look, you can always be wrong in the NFL draft. That's that's the league. Especially at that position. Especially at that You can always be wrong. But if you have a basis for why you're doing what you're doing and you can defend it all the way out, I can forgive mistakes down the road. If you've looked at what about this, what about this, what about this, I don't know what any unanswered what about this is with Joe Burrow. So I don't – Yeah. well, here's the other thing that's going to go on in that in that room in whoever's making those decisions, whether it's, it's the Brown family or, or Duke Tobin – or Zach Taylor, but I've been to Bengals games the last two years, and there's nothing exciting about a Bengals game. It feels like I'm at a high school game. Yeah, there's no energy, there's no enthusiasm or excitement for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I've been to Cincinnati and played in Cincinnati when that place was rocking, and it is a great place to play. As far as the enthusiasm of the fans, the home field advantage. I mean, when I did a game this year, I was looking around. I thought, oh, my gosh, this feels like just uh, who's who came to this game? Family and friends? <laughs> I mean, that was it, you know. And and so I, for an organization, I think it would be very wise for them to choose a guy that's an hour and 20 minutes away from Cincinnati, his hometown. He's, a, he's an Ohio kid. It's Cincinnati, Ohio. He's from Athens, Ohio. The story writes itself. Yes, it does. I mean, so now that I said, well, maybe they need to think about uh, accepting a bunch of draft picks and drafting to a uh, number three instead of number one, uh, I, I don't think so because I do think that from an organizational point of view and as far as getting people excited about the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you can't go wrong with this guy. Now, they need a lot of help. They especially need help on the offensive line. I mean, Joe Mixon ended up having a really good year. Mm-hmm. He got strong at the end of the year. Defensively, they need to get better, all those things. Uh, he still has a lot of Marvin Lewis holders. They're in a total rebuild with that team, and you got a pretty good core. If you can hold on to A.J. Green somehow, that would be great too because that would be benefit. Tyler Boyd's a really good player in my opinion. Um, but... I, the the biggest thing that franchise needs is a burst and a shot of uh, energy. And Joe Burrow would also bring that energy and enthusiasm. And more importantly, hopefully it would put seats in seats, basically. Yeah. Seats in seats. That's right. That would be a good thing. Uh, boy, they and many others would love a do-over on uh, who they picked instead of Patrick Mahomes. John Ross instead of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but they weren't the only ones who missed on Patrick Mahomes, um, who's getting ready to take the Chiefs to the Super Bowl in his second year as a starter. Uh, but nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. I heard Clay Travis the other day on Fox talking about, ah, how many Super Bowls for Patrick Mahomes? And I don't disagree with that. But as I noted in a tweet to him, and I appreciate Clay mentioning it on the air, that exact same conversation was being had about Dan Marino when he took to the Dolphins, the Dolphins to the Super Bowl in year two, and he never got back. This is a mm-hmm. very unforgiving, unrelenting league. <laughs> it is so – it is a – it's yeah. hard to get there. It's hard to get there once. And I looked up the top seven passers in NFL history, and I did tweet this. You can find it on my timeline. But 
I'm working off memory here. So let's go Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, uh, Eli Manning, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Favre, Philip Rivers. Uh, anyway, the, the thrust of it is the top seven passers in NFL history, Tom Brady is one of them, so you can't count Tom Brady. No. Because the other six guys in the top seven – have 10 combined Super Bowl appearances and I think five wins. Brady has nine appearances, six wins. That's amazing. I mean, it's just, you know. And out that, of, uh, yeah, and out of those 10, Eli Manning, who has a career record yeah. of 117 and 117, has two of those Super Bowl wins. Yeah. And, and two Super Bowl MVPs, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, and Peyton has four Super Bowl appearances. Two wins, Favre, two appearances, one win. Uh, Philip Rivers, obviously, no appearances. Yeah. So it just underscores a how hard it is to get there when you have the great quarterbacks. Breeze and Aaron Rodgers together have two Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's really difficult. So what that tells me. It's just amazing what Terry Bradshaw was able to do. Mm. It's amazing what Tom Brady was able to do. I I, I only put Tom Brady over Terry Bradshaw in in this regard because it's a lot easier nowadays to get good really fast than it it was back in the day, right? Yeah. When you were basically owned by a team and you had no rights as a player to go or move or do anything. And so what Tom Brady has been able to do is remarkable. And I hate to say that's a record that will never be broken, but I'm going to say that's a record that will never be Nine Super Bowl appearances. Nine Super nine. Bowl appearances. That's unbelievable to me with six, six wins. wins. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, while you're mentioning Bradshaw, it made me think of uh, we talked on a podcast maybe a week ago about Randy Gratishar, former Buckeye linebacker, and he was up for the centennial class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm very sorry Randy did not make it. Um, and, and, and I'm just going to mention this because, you know, I thought he should have made it. Uh, but Donnie Shell got in, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying that my one little thing, and I, I'm looking at it through Buckeye glasses because I really like Randy as a guy. Mm-hmm. Donnie Shell's the fifth guy off that Steeler Steel Curtain defense to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And my only thing is, is like, really five guys were Hall of Famers? Like, is it possible Donnie Shell was maybe elevated a little bit because of Elsie sure. Greenwood, Mean Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert? I mean, I don't know about, look, and I don't hate the Steelers like many Browns fans do. I admire the Steelers' excellence. It just feels to me like, Five guys off one defense and nobody off the orange crush? I mean, that eh, doesn't sit well. Well, it goes to show you how important it is to win. Yeah. How that comes into play. I mean, and I think especially in football compared to baseball. I mean, baseball is pretty cut and dry. It's it's a numbers game. Yep. Right? It's all yep. a numbers game. Yeah, Larry Walker got in the Hall of Fame yesterday. And I mean, Larry Walker's a nice player, but do I th- – I wouldn't mention Larry Walker in a million years. I don't even know who it is. Yeah, what he's is he? a Colorado Rockies guy. Like, what I mean, position what, was he? An outfielder. Was he, he was a home run hitter, wasn't he? Uh, average guy. Yeah, like a three. He hit three hundred and hit thirty homers. Okay, a really good player. But Left, I mean, left-hander, right? Yep. Oh, so I do remember him yep. for some. Had a SpongeBob on. SquarePants shirt on when he got the call from the Hall. Which and, I hope he wears uh, that to Cooperstown. And here, here's how far we've come in 
the you know I, I, I again I, I look at awards differently and being recognized differently you know who um, I guess when I evaluate my career you know I'm happy with what I was able to accomplish mm -hmm. and my my judge is me and so it doesn't really matter what uh, acknowledgements I get. I appreciate them, and I think they're nice. But some guys, I think, hang their hopes and dreams and their definition of who they are mm -hmm. on whether or not they get in the Hall of Fame. I was named uh, 75 top 75 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I actually sent out a tweet. I don't know if you saw this tweet. But I was having this discussion. Somebody said I should have been a Hall of Famer. I said, I'm not a Hall of Famer. I am not. I did see that. I am not a Hall of Famer. I don't consider myself, by my standard, to be a Hall of Famer. What I was was a very consistent, productive, very good player mm -hmm. for 11 years in the National Football League. I am not a Hall of Famer. I don't reach that standard. Now... In, in being perfectly honest with you, I am a college football Hall of Famer. Yeah. I, t I had what I considered a Hall of Fame career at Ohio State. In the NFL, no, I didn't. And, I mean, that's the beauty, I think, of being a coach's son. And uh, I had the luxury of having a father that told me when I did really well mm -hmm. and told me when I stunk and I didn't really appreciate it back then but I appreciate it now because it gives me an honest evaluation of myself so I can evaluate myself if there was a uh, a hall of fame for college absolutely I'd vote for myself mm -hmm. hall of fame for the NFL uh no I'm I'm right where I should be on you know, top 100 every year, but no shot of getting in. And that's exactly where I should be. So, and it's, there's great benefit to being completely honest with yourself. And, and so that's how I look at that. But with, uh, but now we're at the judgment where I saw where Derek Jeter's folks were, or Derek might have been upset. I don't know, but he wasn't a unanimous choice. Who cares? If yeah, he got one, he got all, every vote but one. <laughs> Who cares? What, uh, what's the, what's, I mean, <laughs> You know what's what's yeah. the what's that matter? Uh, obviously, yeah. Derek Jeter, you're a Hall of Famer. Everybody knows it. Nobody knows the motivation of the guy that didn't vote you in. But who cares? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, it's and I'm going to anger my, our Cleveland listeners with this because I just think your very realistic uh, view of your own credentials relative to Hall of Fame credentials. There's a lot of chatter every year, and there was this year, Omar Vizquel for the Hall of Fame or Clay Matthews for Wasn't, the Hall of Fame. Uh, Omar a um, shortstop? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. For but, when back in when they were yeah, when they were the really good Braves in, in the were in the Yeah, 90s. they were in the, in the 90s. And yeah. Omar Vizquel was a fantastic fielder, and he was a very good hitter, and he was an excellent player. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's just not. Uh, there were three better shortstops in the AL during his time, A-Rod, who was a shortstop then? Nomar Garcia Para, four Jeter, and uh, Cal Ripken. Yeah, maybe Jeter wasn't. Maybe he was a little before Jeter, but he was never more than the fourth best shortstop. If you had said 
to anybody. Hey, GM, you can start a team with a yeah. shortstop in the AL. Who do you want? Omar Vizquel would have never been hired in the fourth pick. He just wouldn't have been. Yeah. And Clay Matthews, look, Clay Matthews was in the heyday of my Browns fandom. Clay Matthews, really nice player. But did Clay Matthews dominate a game from the linebacker position like Jack Lambert or like Ray Lewis or like Luke Keekley? No, he didn't. And those Browns defenses weren't transformative, great defenses like the Orange Crush, like the Steel Curtain, like the Purple People Eaters, like the Fearsome Foursome. They just weren't. Yeah. The reason they didn't go to Super Bowls is because their defense always failed them. So Clay Matthews, really good player. Omar Vizquel, really good player. Really good. All Chris Spielman, really good player. It's not a disgrace not to be a Hall of right. Famer because it's really hard to be a pro bowler. It's really hard to be an all-star. And, you know, it is really, really hard. Yeah. And if you're a multiple all-star and a multiple pro bowler like Spiels and like Clay Matthews and like Omar Vizquel, um, you know, I get it. You, you want to support your team and you love to see guys from your team in the Hall of Fame, but there are Hall of Fames that – that guys belong in. You're in, I'm I'm assuming you're in the Lions Hall of Fame. You better be. You ought to be in the you are in the College Football Hall of Fame, the OSU Hall of Fame, and there are Hall of Fames for Omar and Hall yeah. of Fames for Clay. But there's just it's not the Hall of of Great. It's yeah. not the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. I, I, I the one thing and I, I I'm sure there's arguments to me be made for Clay and there's arguments not to be made for Clay and I honestly don't don't remember. I watched him, but not enough to make an evaluation on Clay Matthews. But the one thing that I admired about that guy is to play linebacker in this league as long as, as, long he, as did. he did. That's <laughs> in the Matthews genes. His brother Bruce played forever on the offensive and line. His actually, his brother Bruce would probably be one of the best offensive he's linemen. In. I think he's well, in. you know, because he was an All Pro guard, he was an All Pro yeah. tackle, and by the way, he was an All Pro center. So I mean, and this guy was as good as they get, man. I'm gonna say if Clay Matthews Senior had something on his resume that Clay Matthews Junior has, I'd feel better about his Hall of Fame credentials. If he was ever NFL Defensive Player of the Year, the best player in the league in a particular year, then yeah. Maybe I'll listen to it, but he was not that, and it's not doesn't mean he wasn't a great player. <laughs> he was not. a great player. Oh, great player. And it doesn't mean I wish him any ill. It's just like there's, you know, a select, select, select few, and um, I would not include him on that list. Now, it's the job of the next Browns general manager to identify who those people are. What do you have on this? And have I have nothing on this except you got all kinds of run the other day. Our podcast got run in the Akron Beacon Journal. They quoted something off your podcast. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot called you. Mary Kay, come on now. Help a brother out. Give the podcast a little spiff on the plane dealer yeah, at cleveland.com. Exactly. Or you could say, you know, as I said, Mary Kay, on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. I know. I keep forgetting. So she could quote I you. I was on Bull and Fox yesterday. Were you? Yes. Well, I know they took care of us. No, I'm they sure. didn't. What? No, so Keith you can, Britton did not take care of us? No, so you can text Dustin Keith. Dustin Fox did not take care of you us? You could text Keith well, right now and tell him, hey, by the way, bitterly since, disappointed. since Spiels came that. on the, Let's do that. On the podcast, you Keith, might want to give him a little bit of- I'm going to uh, see if Keith gets back to me here and uh, while we're on the podcast. What did I get run for? What did I say that was I so don't know. Long? You must have said something. Mary Kay was saying- I know what it was. Mary Kay said you said that, hey, Stefanski and George Payton, you know, they- it makes sense. They should line them up. They should line up and, you know, the Browns, you know, whatever. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, common sense. You got in with common sense. Here's a tweet from Jeff Shudell. I assume you know Jeff. I don't know who that Okay. Is. Jeff Shudell covers the Browns, has for a long time. Okay. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> no, I, He's a I buddy mean, of mine. I'm sure anyway, I know. Anyway, right. I'll cover you, Jeff. Uh, he, said, he tweets this. 
Regarding why George Payton should become the Browns' next GM over Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski should have the, I'll clean it up a bit, courage to tell Jimmy Haslam, who likes Barry, quote, I don't want anyone involved in passing on Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes picking my players. Hard to argue with that. Well, I'm not. I'm, he was not the guy who passed. But and he was Andrew involved. Barry's defense, we don't know where Andrew Barry actually stood on those decisions because he wasn't making those decisions. That's true, but I don't think so. Judell's tweet it does, is it bring it up. It. Bring it up to Andrew Barry. Where do you stand on these guys? Let's go back and find your reports. You could do that, right? And wouldn't you think they're in the files somewhere? Well, well, I think you can ask him that. Well, Haslam was there at the time. What did he say about these guys? Did he pound the table for him? Because if he didn't, I don't want him. Where was Haslam at the time? Haslam was hovering over everything. Yeah. As well, he has been since he bought the team. So you're saying that... So read that again to me. I, I don't. I'm, Regarding why George Payton should should become the Browns' next GM over Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski should have the courage to tell Jimmy Haslam, who likes Andrew Barry, right? I don't want anyone involved in passing on Carson Wentz, Watson, and Mahomes picking my players. Who? So is he saying so Haslam? Said, no, pick- Barry. Barry was involved. He was there with Sashi, and he was there with when they passed on those. Oh, guys. Okay. I don't know him, so you know, I think that an argument can be made. For that now, to me, maybe it's a situation where the head coach is picking the players, or the head coach is picking the quarterback that he wants. Maybe that one particular position. I I don't know. I don't. I don't want. I'm not saying Andrew Barry wouldn't do a good job. I'm just saying from the outside in, looking at it, uh, to me, George and Kevin have worked together for a long time. They know what each other wants. They know the philosophy that they want to have, and they will build it. And George is not an ego guy where, you know, this is not so much happening nowadays as it did five years ago. Who's got final say? Who's got final say? Who's got final? I mean, I I can't stand that, you know, because everybody uh, has to have an input and everybody has to sign their name to who they pick. Now, somebody's going to be ultimately responsible for that, and we don't need to know who that is all the time. But I, I think he does make a good point, and it's easy for us four years down or three years later or four years later down the line. Well, you should have picked Watson. You should have picked Wentz. Yeah, you it should. is easy, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I know that you you, know, you had a big uh, feeling for Deshaun Watson back then, right? And, and Russell Wilson. Yeah, and, well, Russell – I'm not going to put anybody on Russell. Russell is a third-round pick. I said that, take him. Remember, well, take, I that, said take when? him. When? That's fine. When did you say take I him? Said, take in him. the first round, no, second no, no, round, no, third no. round? I just said if he's there like in the second, third round, grab him. I loved him coming out of school, People were like, man. oh, he's so short. I said, yeah. well, he plays behind the biggest offensive line in college, and I've never seen him get a pass batted. Yeah, and he's well, – he, yeah, I, I, a lot of people it's, – it's fair to say that – a lot of people were surprised, and Russell Wilson won a starting job yeah. in Seattle over Matt Flynn, who they paid a ton yeah. of money. Yeah, and and gave up a ton of picks to get. And he won that job so so quickly. Now you see, you know why after watching Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, and I just knew that Russell was special because I was covering college, and I remember Brett Bielema was Russell Wilson's head coach, mm-hmm. and. Just sitting down with Russell, you, you felt like you were talking to somebody that was ten years older than you, anyway. So yeah, I mean, that's right. He, I, all the you talked about all the boxes and checking all the boxes. 
Russell Wilson will do that. But um, so Stefanski, or you're saying Stefanski wants Peyton, yeah. and Jeff is saying that give him who he wants. Jimmy Haslam wants Andrew Barry. Barry. They're fascinated with Andrew Barry, and look, Andrew Barry may be a great. He guy. might be great. Here's I don't the know. Deal though, Andrew Barry was the uh, what director of football ops in Philly. He's not done the GM job. He might be brilliant on the player valuation analytics side. He and D Podesta may be all lined up, but the guy you want your strongest alignment with in your organization is not Paul D Podesta. It's Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. So we would, well, I would in, say, hire George Payton. I said the other day, I'll feel better about this reboot if it's the guy that Stefanski has worked with before. George Payton, than I will if you're trying to arrange a marriage between Kevin Stefanski, Paul D. Podesta, and Andrew Barry. Because, look, I did a show in Cleveland for a while with two guys who were best friends. And we got along fine, and they're great guys, and I love the Gerard and Emmett. But it was difficult to do a show when two guys had um, a closer relationship to each other than they had to me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same dynamic for Kevin Stefanski. If Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry are buddies and closely aligned and Stefanski is trying to join in, there's a reason why they say two's company, three's a crowd. You know, George Payton and Kevin Stefanski need to be you, 100% aligned. Is he going to uh, hook us up or what? Okay, so Keith Britton, I, te- I texted Keith Britton, who's the producer of Bull and Fox. I also texted Dustin. Yeah. I said, we're busting you on our podcast for not spiffing our podcast. When Spiels was on your show yesterday, any comment as we tape? Yes. And uh, Keith responds, Dustin was too worried about getting Spiels' advice about his game tape, and Bull was busy worrying about (laughs) something else, I'm going to say. So you can't teach, uh, no, but you can't teach awareness, especially with these two. I'm going to tweet about it. Keith. Okay. So Keith's Thanks, gonna Keith. go to Twitter. Well, Keith is big on Twitter. <laughs> Keith is big Here's, on Twitter. So you want to know what I said on Bull way, Fox? You know, by the way, one second. Yeah. Let's spiff Keith Britton. Keith Britton is the best producer show booker yeah. in the radio business. And Keith Britton was a student at Ohio State when you and I were doing Spielman and Hooley at the fan way back in the day. He came in, and he wanted to, like, just observe things. And so we let him observe things. Well, he just, you couldn't, I mean this in the kindest way, you couldn't get rid of Keith Britton. He wanted it bad. Yeah. He worked his tail off. And he ended up, when you and I started, we got another show or something, they asked us who we wanted as our producer, and we said, we want him. You said you want him. I said, I don't care. (laughs) I'll take credit for that. <laughs> now he does a great job. So when I was uh, told not to come back to the fan. <laughs> in not so many words. not so many words. <laughs> not directly, but to well, uh, my Well, the whole reason you were told not to come back was you were guilty of putting fish in the microwave. I was guilty of putting salmon in the microwave. And, and, yeah. and, that, was, and that, that was the real reason. Everybody <laughs> thought it was trestle, but it was the salmon in the microwave. So... <laughs> so uh, I, I went to Cleveland, and uh, or I was out of work, and a guy from 92.3 The Fan called me and asked me if I'd be interested in moving to Cleveland. I, of course, said no, not in a million years, <laughs> which I ended up doing a couple months later. I said, you know, if you're looking for people, you can't do better than a young man by the name of Keith Britton. Uh, he, he's a guy who you ought to have as part of your operation. So Keith ends up producing their headline show, a five-hour afternoon show with Dustin Fox and, uh, and Adam the Bull. And 
I'm telling you what, Keith is Keith is great. But you screwed up, Keith, on not yeah. giving us on-air credit for the podcast. He'll, he'll make up for he it. He will, he will. So you want to know what I said on Bull and Fox? Yes, I do. Because Keith tweets out every yes, comment does. that I make, yes, right? Which, when I do it, drives you crazy. Yes. Bull and Fox, head coach Kevin Stefanski's biggest challenge will be getting players to buy into the team approach. Adds that pairing Stefanski and George Payton's unified vision would make perfect sense. So I've said that on this yes, podcast. Uh, why should Spielman adds, why should uh, the Browns pair Stefanski with Payton? I'm looking at history and what works. When we have coaches and GMs on the same page and everyone has the same goals and vision moving forward, it makes sense. What I said about Baker Mayfield. All this stuff I've it's been on this podcast. Did you talk about his hat at the MMA thing? No. I think Baker is smart <laughs> enough to realize that what he did is not good enough last year. You're not a walk-on anymore. You're not an underdog anymore. Thank you. Instead, think, uh, instead of thinking you can do it yourself, come together. I need you to be all about business and winning. Uh, on, on Kevin Stefanski, I do believe that Kevin is a believer in running the football. Why wouldn't you be a believer in running the football when you have the second leading rusher in the NFL? And by the way, Kareem Hunt behind it says Baker can be really good, but needs to take coaching. So that was the highlights of my... How useful would it be to have somebody walk around behind you all day and tweet everything you said? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I would want that. <laughs> I mean... Uh, oh, thank so, you. So Keith will so take So you care didn't miss today. anything. Okay, no. And our podcast listeners didn't miss anything. We were able to expand my vast knowledge. Vast knowledge. <laughs> And humility. And humility on the airwaves of Cleveland, Ohio. Unfortunately, Keith didn't give us any love. I'll do you any favor you want, Keith. Every time you call, I come on your show. Can I get one mention of Spielman and Hooli? We tackle like podcasts? Apparently not. Uh, he says, uh, I hate to be Freddie Kitchens about this, but that's my responsibility, so I'll definitely make good on yeah. it. <laughs> Whatever, Keith. Yeah, 24 hours later when I'm not on. Thanks, Keith. Still waiting to hear from Dustin. He's in the gym right now, I'm sure. So <laughs> we'll keep you aware on Friday. Here's Dustin's how you know. Saying. You know, you start making all-time teams getting older, right? Yeah. So when you have guys saying, hey, Chris, and can you take a look at this uh, Dustin – did the D2 National Championship game on ESPN. Right. And so he asked me to take, and this is what Keith was referring to, Dustin asked me to take a look at, at the game and give him some uh, thoughts or ideas of what I think and what he can do better. He did a really, really good job. And, uh, his work as an analyst. Yeah, and I think that ESPN is starting to notice. So, But anyway, I said, where in the heck did a time go when all of a sudden people were asking me to evaluate what they're doing. And I realized and I thought about it. I've been doing uh, analytical work for 18 years. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? That is. That's as long as I was at the plane dealer. I feel like that I'm like, like an eternity. Like young in this business still. You are young in this business. All right. Uh, overall uh, rating on the podcast, uh, that's the headline on this one. Rick uh, NFL Champs is his uh, name listed. Please review our podcast at iTunes. It really does help us. He says, love the podcast, but I'd find it easier if I could listen to you guys live every morning like I used to on 105.7. Yeah, well, I got the 105.7 gear on here today. I broke it out. Uh, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the 105.7, the zone folding. Uh, we'll have to uh, revisit that in some way, shape, or form. 
We have another review from, uh, this is your easiest way, folks, to get your name read on the podcast, uh, is to review our podcast because we read them all. Jeff says, great podcast. Uh, recently found it. Living outside of Ohio, I enjoy the coverage of the Buckeyes and Browns, but the best part of the show is the end and the faith component. Thank you for the food, for thought, and the spiritual challenges. You're okay, welcome, good. Jeff. Thank you for your kind words. We appreciate that very much. We appreciate if you'd patronize our sponsor, Stover Farms Custom Meats. Uh, it is Wednesday, so it'll be open tomorrow. Friday and Saturday, get the best steaks, non-GMO, certified Angus beef grown on their farm in the Mansfield area. They process it themselves, so there's no middleman. So you're going to get it at a great price. You're going to get true farm-to-table. You're going to get none of the junky antibiotics, GMO, hormones, all that stuff that is dangerous to consume, and you're probably not told about it uh, when you uh, buy meat from uh, conventional grocery stores. Stover Farms Custom Meats, they have pork, they have chicken. Their bacon is phenomenal. Their sausage patties are phenomenal. Uh, and they can process your beef, too. If you're a farmer and you're like, I'm looking for a place to process my beef, or I'd like to order certain cuts of steak. I'd like to give it away as a gift. I'd like to do this, that, the other. Silver Farms will work with you on anything. Do they have, um, like, venison or bison? Or... I don't know. I suppose I'll ask that question to Trevor, that? and yeah. I'll uh, give you an update on Friday. Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, and you can find them on the web, Stover Farms Custom Meats. Right, can I, I, I'm going to stop in there. Uh, I, I'm up there. My uh, youngest daughter works up in that area, so I, if I stop by and see her at work, what do I need to introduce myself, or should I just say I know Bruce Hooley? Or should um, I mention the podcast? I mentioned the podcast. What do I get if I mention? If you the- mention the <laughs> podcast, you're going to get a discount, or you're going to get uh, a free pound of hamburger for every pound you buy. Nice. If I tell Trev, I mean, I don't know, there might be a little something extra waiting for you. <laughs> Who knows? Um, can I? Uh, you can ask ask you a question. Yeah, because I had ask, a question. I, wanna... I had a question to ask you, but we're getting to. We're we're okay. We can go. Okay. I, I just got to be out of here good pretty on time? soon. Yeah. All I right. mean. Well, maybe what I have might take the, a little the while. The journey so I'll back save to it. journey back to society takes me a little while in the morning. Yeah. Get your sherpa. Your sherpa's <laughs> waiting outside to get you back to U.S. Uh, no, I. Uh, you asked me the question first. What's the question you have? For no, me? I think mine's going to take some time, and honestly, I want to pray about it. And uh, the, the the thing I'm asking about is something that happened Monday during a college visit my daughter took, okay. and I want to. Be I don't want to make a mistake when I talk about it, so I need a little discernment. I'm yeah. going to pray, I'm going okay. to think, and then we'll bring it because it's it's really good. Uh, it's good content for what we like to talk about. So I will save that for Friday. Okay, I want to put the request out again. You know that I'm on this six thousand mile challenge. Yes, that for whatever. And my I blew my back out again. What? Well, I went. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't sit on an exercise bike. I went thirty three miles. 33 miles on the bike yesterday and also 10 on treadmill. Wow. So I got 43 miles in yesterday. and But I'm back at it today. I feel better. But I just want to, and I've really upped my prayer time in the morning, thanks to you and thanks to our listeners. And so that's kind of my update. I just want to know if anybody out there is has taken uh, the challenge that I threw out. All right. And what's your progress is? All right, here's Dan Wise. Uh, he emails the show, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com, the headline, Chris's 6,000-mile challenge. He says, hi, guys. I finished listening to last Friday's show this morning. I was impressed with Chris's challenge to complete 6,000 miles this year. He encouraged others to get up and move, so I wanted to pass along my challenge. It's to average 12,000 steps every day for the year. While this may seem like a daunting challenge, it really isn't. As Chris said, being on your feet for an hour at home doing chores will give you two to 3,000 steps. I also have a rule that if that if it is less than four floors, I will always nice. take the stairs 
and I never par- uh, park right next to a building. I will always park I love farther it. away. I love it. Even when I sit typing this email, I will use the bathroom at the opposite <laughs> end of the building, which there and back is 0.15, uh, 15 hundredths of a mile. Add that all up. It's amazing how easy it is to get seven, ten, and 12,000 steps in a day. So far this year, I've lost three pounds just from moving. Way to go, Dan. Thanks for bringing that up. And if this motivates one person to see how easy it is, it was worth writing in. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that I, very much. See, that's, I, I love that. So I'm glad he was able to to share that with us. So uh, You got another one there or not? Uh, I have one that I returned and two that I, and I have appreciate the fact I've received two emails from people who are interested in uh, networking with me on my uh, oh good leadership character development thing for uh, youth, youth coaches sports. yeah and uh, that's that's the subject that it's going to take me a little bit of time to process how I want to approach it Friday okay. when we talk about well, it well I can approach it now on, okay. on youth sports great I'll do the Sonny Spielman approach <laughs> okay. I don't know if you're a fan of this I, or if this leadership. I was raised on the Sonny Spielman approach, but not by Sonny Spielman. <laughs> of the this seminar, third grade, I'm playing for the Warriors mm-hmm. basketball team, best player on the team. Yes, we only had five guys show up for a game because it was a snowy day mm-hmm. in Canton, Ohio, at the YMCA. Um, I was a little aggressive. I thought I could steal the ball for everybody. My dad didn't get to come to a lot of games because he was working. He worked two jobs, but he came to this game. And so maybe I was trying to show off. And so um, I'm going to use some quotes here. So I had four fouls with two minutes to go in the first half. Coach calls a timeout. My dad's right by the bench. Hey, don't get a fifth foul and foul out at halftime. Your team needs you. Be smart. Mm-hmm. Kid dribbles the ball down. I reach in, try to get the steal, slap the kid on the arm. Whistle goes up, fifth foul. Uh, walk over to the bench looking for some encouragement. It's a little comfort. Just comfort, you know. It's okay, son. You did all right. Don't worry Tried about hard. It. Tried hard. Tried to make the steal. And can I quote? It's, it's, a it's not, yeah. Dumbass. Yeah. Dumbass. I just told you not to foul out before halftime. You know what? You're walking home. And I ended up walking about two miles through the streets of Canton, Ohio. In your Chuck Taylors? Back to, in the winter, yeah. Back, to, I had shorts and just a coat on. And, oh, come on. Just and, shorts, and, no sweats. And I, I later found out in life that, um, actually, we talked about this when he was down at the as a visitor or a patient at the James that he followed me all the way home. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Son. But, but, <laughs> but he, he talked about later when I talked about that, he, he said, look, man, you've got to learn that whatever personal play you wanted to make, uh, that wasn't more important than you being part of that team, at least to start the second half. Mm-hmm. And I learned a valuable lesson at a young age. Now, obviously, nobody will do that. Well, maybe they do now. I don't know. They might. But I'll just never forget that lesson. And it did. It helped It helped me learn a lesson. Now, I'm not, you know, advising people to do that. But I am advising parents to hold your kids to a certain standard that the kids set 
And that's not only in sports, but that's in school and that's in how they uh, um, treat other people. Whatever their best standard is, try to continually hold them to that standard. Uh, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with high standards. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> but no, I'm serious. There's nothing yeah, wrong with high standards. There's nothing wrong with making expectations clear. In fact, you should have high standards and you should make expectations clear. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. You know, our look, the methods, the coaching methods and everything that uh, you and I grew up with. Um, and they're not uh, they're not they were not the yeah. best. But you ev- you evolve and you become enlightened and all those kinds of things. Sure. I would just say that. Um, and again, we're going to save most of this for Friday. But I read a story yesterday that I've lived. Uh, this thing that walked into the room. Got a cat? Oh, our dog's here. Hi, Jakey. Um, that's a dog. That's a dog. Yeah. How he got down? Usually it's like a, he's a cross between this a must mean, This must mean that the missus is close by because <laughs> this dog never strays more than arm's length from the missus. Either that or she's had a stroke and's on the ground upstairs and he's coming. But to we, like got rescue. we got a podcast to finish. We got a podcast to finish. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I don't know, Jake doesn't like to be held or I'd show him off on but camera. I don't, even, what, I don't even know what Yeah, it, he's it, ugly. It he's look an look ugly like dog. dog. It's, yeah, he's, uh, look, he's not my, it's like a cross he's not my nor my his favorite, but he's a sweet A mutant guy. and a possum. Yeah, well, he was a shelter dog, okay. so we saved him. Okay, saved congratulations. Him um, Once again, we're patting ourselves on the yes, back. We yes, we are. Way to go. Yes, we are. Great job, Bruce. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll just say this on the coaching methods <laughs> okay. and stuff. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, again, we'll get into this on Friday, but I have lived this in our family, and I saw somebody yesterday posting in this realm on Facebook. I saw a story online yesterday, and I put it on my uh, timeline. Headlined, the coach that killed my passion. Ooh. And um, I like this. Topic. I'll just read. I'll just read you one. Again, we're going to save it for Friday. Okay. We'll tease it. Uh, but here's the end of the story from this uh, girl talking about basketball. The way you made me feel about myself and my ability to play ball made me hate myself. Not only did you make me doubt my ability to play, but you also turned my teammates against me to where they didn't trust my abilities. I would not wish the pain you caused me on my greatest enemy. I pray that one day eventually when all your players quit coming back that you realize that it isn't about it isn't all about winning records. It's about the players. Is that about a women's college basketball coach? Uh, didn't specify the level. I think it's high school. You can have winning records without a good coach if you have a good team, but you won't have a team if you can't treat players with the respect they deserve. So, yeah, uh, we'll get into that on Friday. Yeah, I I, got to think about that because there's a fine line in a lot of that stuff. There is. Uh, As we end today, um, you know, did you have something else in the faith realm? Yeah, I do. Okay, great. Before we get into that, I want to do something. I didn't clear this with you, and I didn't clear this with the person I'm going to talk about. But uh, I'm going to do something here, and I think you'll be Another fine. executive CEO decision you make without consultation. Uh, Chris and my friend Lori Schmidt, uh, who many of you may know from her time at The Fan and her time at 105.7 yeah. The Zone and at 610, uh, has recently been uh, downsized at 610 in iHeart layoffs, which are pretty commonplace um, every year, every other year at iHeart. Um, I'm just going to say, if you're a business owner and you have a need in the social media area um, or uh, digital production or even if you just want somebody who will come in and be an absolutely fantastic employee, great for your culture, willing to help others, completely selfless, um, you need to hire Lori Schmidt. 
Lori Schmidt is one of the most tremendous people I've ever met in my life. She is one of the most helpful people, one yep. of the most selfless people. Um, and Lori has given her um, professional life to uh, a business that, unfortunately, a lot of times does not reward loyalty and hard work. And um, I would just like to make an appeal to you. If you have a capacity in your business to find Lori Schmidt a place in your organization, I think if you do that, I'm 100% sure if you do that, you will send us an email at some point in the future thanking us for putting you in touch with Lori Schmidt. Uh, Well... I may I can't offer a full time job, but I am willing to offer Lori Schmidt, and you can come up with a role. I'm willing to offer Lori Schmidt some work on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We tackle life, and whatever you come up with a contribution, I can. I will take from the funding. The vast royalties you're reaping. <laughs> the vast royalties, but also. Essentially sponsorless podcast. Also because I, I believe if I'm going to put my name behind somebody, I better be willing to back it up with my actions. So reach out to Lori today. Figure out a role for her on the We Tackle Life podcast. The only thing is we can't pay her. I can pay her. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to pay her a billion dollars, but I can pay her for like a, a story or something where she can she contribute can to the social media sad. side of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So reach out to her today. Okay, I will. And whatever contribution we can come up with, and I can give her something to be part of the Spielman We Tackle Life podcast. And it, it could be. Maybe we got what, somebody who'd sponsor the podcast, and we, you and I would agree that whatever their sponsorship is we'll give it to Lori. Yeah, or yeah, or and, and Lori she's got to work for it and you know she will. I, I'm thinking, you know, there's something where she can make a few extra bucks yep. contributing to this podcast. So call her today, say, "Hey Chris, threw this out there. I'm not I'm I'm just a big idea guy. You're the yeah. detail guy. You yeah, figure yeah. out the well, details of what out. she can do." Look, if you're a we'll financial planner or you got a business and you just are your insurance agent, whatever. Like, come on, man. You can't you can't benefit from a mention on a podcast that gets 12, 1400 listens. By the way, do you realize that our total listens for our podcast since we started it? Yeah. We're over well over a hundred. I don't even know what that means. Is that We're well over a hundred. I don't know what that means. That, that means that if you could I don't put speak all podcast. the people, if you could put all the people who've listened to our podcast since we started it in August, we'd fill Ohio yeah. Stadium. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of people. Okay. And for you and I, and our mission is to get to to be transparent in how the gospel has changed our lives and how it can impact other people's lives. We've gotten the opportunity, the privilege to share the gospel over 100,000 times. Yeah. That's powerful to me. I'm, a, I'm all about it. I, know I, I just don't, I don't speak podcasts, don't so speak I don't podcasts. know. <laughs> Very good. And sometimes not English. <laughs> well, <laughs> the best is when I have to grammatically correct you, which does happen about yes, once every two or three years. Yes, it so does. it's the highlight of my year when it does happen. <laughs> so I am have, I have a sharp ear out for your... Grammatical mistakes. You're holding me accountable as my brother. Uh, Yeah, um, a man of the pet. All right, here's what I want to say. Okay. So, in light of what we're talking about with Lori and and, um, other people, whatever challenge you're facing out there today, take heart 
in knowing this. And it comes from 1 Samuel 17, 1. And this is really good stuff. So God will use the very thing that was meant to destroy you to deliver you. So, and we talked about, you know, the challenges of Delonte West, whatever they may be, the challenges of Antonio Brown, whatever they may be, uh, the challenges that everyday folks have, whatever they may be. And from Dan's email about, you know, just taking charge and understanding that with God, whatever was meant to destroy you, God will use that to deliver you. So just take heart in knowing that. Just take heart in knowing that and believe it and trust it and pray about it, and you will be delivered. It's awesome. Amen. I mean, like I told you uh, as we reflected a while back on the zones folding, at that time in my life I was praying for my relationships with my wife and daughters to get better, my relationship with God to get better. And that was what I wanted. And so God was like, okay, if you want that, I'll make that happen. And the way he made it happen was he freed up my schedule so I could spend more time with my family and spend more time with him, and that that resulted in the loss of my job. Everything in my life is better since then except the economic part, and I'm not worried about it because God's not messing with me. He doesn't wish ill on me. He's going to take care of me. I'm fine. We got savings. That's a blessing. We're living off of it a little bit. If if When it gets to the point where that's gone, I'm not going to worry because I know he'll provide. So the that's the peace that God gives. I know he loves me. I know he loves my family. And but you gotta you gotta be aware when you pray for something and it's a prayer he wants to honor, he yeah. just may honor it in a way you're not expecting. Well, the old saying, what's it go? Uh, I don't always get what I want, but I always get what I need. Yeah. So but anyway, uh all right. So uh I'm excited to hear if Lori's going to join this uh two men in the basement. Mm-hmm. Thing in we some might have capacity. to change the name of our consulting firm if uh, Lori joins, because it yeah. will no longer be just two men in a basement. Uh, will be uh, well, she. Uh, she's not part of the uh, NFL consulting firm. Yet. Okay. Okay. Well, she's yeah. I mean, she got a. She could be the social media uh, part of that. Yeah. She'd. So, uh, she'd do. A great I think job. she'd be a great job she if, would. if she would actually tweet out some of the things that we're saying on this podcast. Lori can come on air and talk about some of the things. She follows the Blue Jackets. I have, I, I, I guess they're winning now. She can tell us how to pronounce their goalies' names. Yeah. Um, Corpusalo, Merzo, something, and another guy Elvis. who I won't even attempt. Elvis is in the building. Elvis, yeah. Felino like had the game winner the other night, yes, by the did. way. By the way, when are we going to get Nick on the podcast? I, I'm, you can do the guest. I'm not a good interviewer. We don't do a lot of guests. <laughs> no, we because no we like to hear ourselves. No, we have no problem talking. <laughs> we like to hear ourselves talk too much because we have so much minutes. wisdom to pass on. Yeah, we we sure. don't need guests. <laughs> well, everybody have a great day. We'll be back on Friday. And uh, tease on Friday, we're going to talk about that story, uh, the coach who killed my passion, and uh, a story that involves uh, my daughter and uh, her first college visit. So uh, Spiels has walked that road. I'll look forward to his input. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Talk to you then.